Well, good morning to you. This is rather a, a strange Sunday for us because it is the ending of a time that Joanne and I have been able to call this church uh, our church home for the last 32 months. It's been an absolute delight to minister to you, to be part of your church family, uh, to come alongside you and to help you get ready for the day you see today that uh, the Lord has called Pastor Tom to be your next next lead pastor. So, so excited about that. And as I leave, uh, I would be very much wanting to acknowledge just, just uh, the great staff that, that welcomed me with, with wide open arms uh, as I came in and stepped into this church ministry. Neil, <laughs> rather a closed fist on his chocolate supply, but wide open arms from the staff. Just uh, so appreciative of all the gifting that, that Neil brings to us, as well as I can say the same for Kyle and for Sam, who has blessed this church with significant gifts of just that are highly valued uh, of what they do in their various ministries that they do. And, and keeping control of us all was, was Steffi, was trying to, uh, almost like trying to herd cats of trying to put this all together. But phenomenal staff, and we've been so blessed, I've been so blessed by by having them serve with me. And I'd be negligent if I didn't also say the same sort of thing as for what the leadership of the elders that the Lord has gifted this church with. He, he has given a, a group of men who are deeply committed to the Lord and deeply committed to serving you and, and loving you. And so you are, you are served well by them. And then, I, again, would be totally negligent if I didn't say my deep, deep, deep appreciation for you, the church family of Maple Ridge Alliance. You have been and continue to be, though we haven't had the pleasure of being in person for some time, you are a great testimony to the goodness of God and to the reality of faith that is so so clear, so evident in this place. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for being so receptive to us, and, and uh, your love has been deeply appreciated. As I close our chapter here, I, I want to turn my attention just briefly for, for a few moments to a few scriptures, uh, but this morning in majority is going to be something decidedly different than I ever do. Uh, I'm going to be teaching in a way that I never do because uh, I'm not going to be really rooting into Scripture for most of it as we, as we do because I'm going to be looking at what I've titled the, the care and feeding of your new pastor. So we'll see what that looks like. But first, I want to turn to uh, Scriptures that really have served as the, the touchstone, the, the foundation of what has been true of Maple Ridge Alliance and in the past. And I pray that it will be the touchstone for your future. And they're framed in the words that were given in 1 Peter. 1 Peter tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And, and Peter's emphasis as he looks at this is saying that you have to understand, you are a people of a living hope. A living hope 
that is seen in the reality of the life of Jesus Christ who has been resurrected from the tomb. That, that is your living hope. And it's not hope of sometime when that eventually we'll live in hope, but it's a hope that says, no, 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 live, live in that hope now. Live in it now. You will get the greater in a day to come, but, but understand what that means now. It's living hope in the things that will threaten to knock us off our feet and sometimes do knock us us off our feet. It's hope in the times of when disappointments come and pain comes because as Christians we know, we're told we're not oblivious to that. But we're told we've got God's assurance that even then he will provide the hope. And that's my prayer for this church as your ministry goes forward, as you be a people that you are begotten us in a living hope that you will be a lighthouse in this community of, of hope in Christ. But not just hope that gathers, but hope that goes into your homes and into your neighbors and into your workplaces that you are a witness of the hope that, that God has called us when that day will come, that we are a people to gather to worship but we are called to be a people that then, who then scatter with that living hope out into the places God has put us. That we're not to cocoon it here, but that we're to spread it out there. Gather to worship and then scatter to be testimony. And that's my prayer for this church, that we will be that, that place. And, and Peter tells us that we were begotten, or if you like, we were birthed into this living hope. And the thing about being birthed into is something that is birthed must grow. We're not to be stillborn. We're we're to be a people that live out. We grow in the faith that we've had. We are being made ready for the spectacular. We're made ready for the spectacular of an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled. It doesn't fade away. What God is in store will never lose its luster, will never lose its value, will never lose its, its commanding appeal that we look at it today and in a hundred days we look again, we'll still be overcome with, with the luster of what that is. It's seen now and it's fully understood later. And we're told it's a place that's reserved for us, reserved for those that have come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that would be my prayer for for this church. But a second scripture I just briefly want to look at, which says, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city and a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And God, in that, Jesus clearly says, this is both a description of your identity and your mission. You are salt of the earth. You are people who are to be flavor enhancers, to draw people to see the flavor that awaits for them. We're told, a cook will tell us that salt makes everything taste better. It, it makes the sweet taste sweeter and the bitter less bitter. 
That's the purpose of salt. It is to bring out the taste. And isn't that what Scripture tells us when it says, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's our mission. That's our identity. That we are to be people that are salty. We also know that heal, uh, salt heals and it preserves. It, it is keeping something fresh while all around things go bad. It's to be able to say, no, no, there's a place of, of saltiness, of preservation, a, a place that, that heals. And so Christ's command for us as the church is be salty. Be salty that draws out the flavor. Be salty that preserves what God wants for people to see the freshness. That we be a people that are authentic. We're not a people that say, well, I got my life all together and all is good. No, we're people that suffer pain, that we experience things. But what we are a people that have been given light. We are people that have been given hope. Sometimes holding on, but we know that God's truth will hold. But what good is salt... What good is freshness if you don't have a place that you can draw people towards? And it says, you also need to understand you're the light of the world. You need to draw people to what I want to do. I'm showing light, shining light through you so you'll see this. So Maple Ridge Alliance, this is, this is what I would ask. This is what I would cover for your, for your future. That you will be a people that will speak and live, demonstrate living hope of a resurrected Lord. Be salty. Continue to be salty. So this, this neighborhood, this ministry is impacted by not just words of faith, but actually demonstrated, tasted, enhanced. We've got a Savior that you've got to know. That's what we're called to do. Now, I told you I'm going to be doing a radical departure and I have to do a disclaimer and say to you that any of the pictorials that are shown here do not have Pastor Tom in mind. So, so you're going to have to take that with a grain of faith there. And so my apologies if you see any semblance of yourself within it. But I want to talk in terms of the care and the feeding of a new pastor. And before introducing a new member into your family, you need to understand some things. That ownership shouldn't be taken lightly. You need to take, take care and pay attention to the physical and emotional needs by providing the nutritious food and the clean drinking water and the opportunity to live in a safe home. It, it, it means that you need to give lots of time for exercise and plenty of mental stimulation. Because to provide for your new pastor, your new, your new the care and feeding of the one you have in front of it, you need to provide high-quality food. And the best food that you and I have been called to, to feed on and be fed by is for God's people to be praying for your pastor. That, that, that's the food he needs to thrive on. It also, his, his part is, needs to be immersed in growing in God's word, that he's not giving old truth that he's done before, but it's fresh truth. And as he does, add encouragement to what you're hearing. If the Lord's speaking to you, add encouragement to that so his energies will be enhanced and he will be able to complete, continue to better feed you living truth. So care and feed for him in that regard. Said so the second is avoid giving excessive amounts of treat. We live 
in a time where Christianity is, is, gives a lot of sugar candy. The substance is all buzz immediately, but it's got little substance too often. And treats lead to problems. If you, you, you want to restri- uh, restrict treats, that can be hard because he looks at you with these puppy dog eyes, please feed me, please feed me, like reinforcing sermons that may entertain, may be a buzz, but they're not nourishing. They're not giving any nutritional food. And if you only go with the entertaining, you'll find sooner or later that Pavlonian training, Pavlonian dog, will offer just non-nutritional junk food that won't serve you well and it won't serve him well because it won't provide the biblical Holy Spirit nourishment needed for the church as it goes through hard times. Be careful of treats. Refresh him by letting him know his ministry is valued and impact. And yes, that can give a swelled head and it can give all this, but, but here's the thing. When feedback isn't given back that what he is delivering to you isn't, isn't making a difference, isn't making an impact, what you're going to run the risk of is him having a dried up heart. And it's far more dangerous for him to have a dried up heart than it is you're concerned about that maybe he will get a swelled heart. Encourage. Encourage the minister, those that are ministering amongst you. And while the verbal is good, that was a good sermon, that was nice, put it in writing. Because writing is a whole bigger value than just what is quickly spoken. Because I can tell you from experience, I can pick up something that was written to me six months ago or a year ago, and it will feed me in a way that the verbal doesn't hang in there. Be committed to that. Prevent him from wandering away and getting lost. Help his identity stay firmly attached to the master. If you're hearing sermon, this is no reflection on you, Tom, I would give it to any incoming pastor, but if you're hearing a love from Jesus go cold or distant, then you need to come alongside him and attach, reattach him to his master. We as pastors can preach the popular, the entertaining, the wasn't that a good buzz of how to be better and stronger and more encouraging and a better leader, but that will take him, if you're not careful, away from the master's voice. Keep him online encouraging with Jesus' first love. Care for his health. Vaccinations are essential. In a church, diseases, there are diseases that are common in church kennels. Gossip and criticism, they become like a fast-spreading epidemic. They just scoot through a church and they can do irreparable damage. Be a people that don't just not speak it, you also don't receive it. That, that's not where I'm going to go there. I, I won't hear that. Connect, conduct regular checkups to ensure his health, his family's health, and the church's health, that it remains strong. Don't let, don't let gossip and those sort of things take place in your church kennel. Use regular parasite prevention. Regularly treat against heartworms and roundworms as the pastor biblically challenges. There will be some mornings and sometimes we preach. And we're going to say some things that are hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat sin because I know that's going to cause you irreparable damage. And sometimes the pastor will say some things that you don't like. He, he confronts, he comes at you and hard. Sometimes he will step into areas that may be unpopular. But 
As he does, leadership, get around him, support him, be his support network in that. Don't let him stand alone against these attacks. Because sometimes preaching the gospel is a hard word. But what needs to be spoken needs to be spoken. As far as the church community, ward off these maladies by being a people who forgive and laugh and pray. This isn't a church that's just to listen and to be a people that are somber. We're supposed to be, as Christians, people of joy. That should be characteristic of who we are. We should be a people who are able to laugh and enjoy it. Sure, there's going to be pain. It doesn't mean we're, we're this plastic-faced Christian. But be a people that will be infectious with your, with your joy. That'll ward off a lot of difficulty. Yep, go back one. When infection takes hold, make certain there is 911 care to which he can safely turn. In other words, check in. Check in and find out what's going on. Because often those that are giving out care are so busy giving care to others, they stop recognizing their own needs. And they're just dispensers. And sometimes after a while, they'll be dispensing out of an empty well. Come alongside them. And if you sense something isn't right, check with them. Ask them. You may be doing the very thing that they need to bring healing. No matter what. Don't neuter your dog. Sounds like we're getting sex education all of a sudden. Well, we sort of are. Because the purpose of the church is to breed. It is to create others. It's for many to come to transforming faith. So instead of getting lost as a church, and I commend you in so many ways as a church, but instead of getting lost in the music's too loud, the services are too long, the newcomers are too many, the changes are too hard, I can't know all these people. Listen, we're to breed. And that may mean change happens that's not easy for some of you. But our purpose is to win people for Christ and to create disciples. That's where you're to be a people that are to lead. And sometimes that may take us into paths that are new or different. Follow your leader as he follows Christ. Grooming. See, I told you, Tom, some of the pictures. I'm not saying there's you. Brushing regularly keeps his coat in good condition. One way to keep him well-groomed is for him to know that he is loved and appreciated and his family is valued. That's not covering over. Sometimes that means we are to speak the truth, we are to admonish, we are to encourage, we are to exhort, sometimes saying the tough word, but always saying the tough word in love. That love is the driver of how we're to be known. What did Jesus say about his disciples? They will know you are Christians by what? By your hope? No. By, by your laughing? No. They will know you're Christians by our love. That's why the parasites of gossip are so deadly. Because they're so contrary to what Jesus has called us to be. Grooming also helps him avoid picking up debris that will weigh him down, causing him to become comfortable with dirt that he's not meant to wear. That as we start moving off-center, we can start adopting patterns and behaviors and lifestyles that sort of like, I need to be recentered. I need to come back to my Christ. I'm gathering stuff to me. When you sense something that may be weighing him down in his spirit, don't wait until the 
fur is matted and the sheen is off. Go to him, ask. Because he's usually blind to his own place of rescue. Help him not to rush to every crisis. I'm a counselor by background as part of my training. And I understand that 90% of crises that we rush to are actually not crises. They're difficult situations, but they're not a crisis. A crisis is, if I can say to Tony and say, okay, let's meet tomorrow morning at 10 in our office, and if Tony can say yes to me, I probably don't have a crisis. But if Tony says to me, I'm sitting here by the phone, and I've got my 50 pills, and I'm just ready, now I've got a crisis. But sometimes pastors and well-meaning people can get on crisis alert that everything's a crisis. And so they're running, 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 and they're not resting, not recentering in the Lord that we are to do, and hence they often burn out. Exercise, socialize, and play. Provide exercise away from his normal run. A pastor is obviously committed to the church, but it shouldn't be totality. He, he, he needs to be intersecting with the world around. And if he, even if he never seems to tire out, he's constantly on the run. He always has good energy. He's always chasing good things. The place he needs to be is at home. Sometimes we can run and we get depleted in realizing, you know what? The one I've said that I love most, that I committed my life to, I commit first and foremost to God. I commit secondly to my family. That they don't get the day, over, day, uh, day is over leftovers. And that, you don't have to be a pastor to hear that. If your priorities are upside down, that it's not God first, family second, then you're living your life out of whack. Reorient his priorities to get back home. Stimulate him with reward-based training. His best reward is watching others actively engaged in obedience training, obediently going after Jesus. As a good pastor, he shouldn't be expecting that you master it all, that I master it all. In the same way, he shouldn't be expecting that for himself. Because our goal as Christians is to more and more become. We're becoming. We only will be fully become when we're in heaven. But until that time, we're becoming more and more like the likeness of the Master. We will fall. We will trip. And our call, forgive, restore, let him come back up. Socialize well. Many pastors are social animals who welcome being approached. I love, when we were gathered, I love talking with people. But sometimes, so first, take the initiative. And, he, and uh, Tom is new. Tell him your name. Tell him your name again. Tell him your name again every time you meet him for the first three times. Because he's not going to remember at first. But help him that way. Well, he should have known me. I talked to you last Sunday. Help him with that. Also be aware that Sunday morning, I, and I can only speak for me, I can't speak for Tom. Sunday morning, I loved connecting with people when we were gathered here. But there's a point where I'm focused in what the ministry I'm about to give. And so I can only be so present with you. I can only be present to a certain degree. It's not that I don't want to help. It's just that I'm refocused into a different place where I'm going. So before the service, don't necessarily unload a whole lot of burdens on them. 
This does not apply to something that's urgent. It's an urgent issue. Of course you talk about the urgent, but understand, his time to really be able to assist is, is going to be limited. But after the service, it's a totally different animal. I don't know, I can't speak for Neil, but sometimes after the service, you, sometimes you feel like a leper because like people are afraid to come close to you, and so they, they won't say anything. They'll say, now's not the time to stay distant. If, if the Lord is speaking to you, if the Lord has used that morning, if he's convicted you of something or brought you, then let him know because that hydrates him. It, it allows him to be refreshed and understand his ministry is going places. If you need prayer, ask. If you have concern and it's going to need greater time, then fine, set a time to meet. But, but after the service, let him know. The one criteria that I would say, don't go near. After the service is not the time to critique it's not time to judge. It's not the time to come up and correct. And if you need to do that, and sometimes that may happen, set up a time to talk. I cannot say what I'm about to say strongly enough. Do not, do not send an email. Because one-way communication is not communication. It is, I've had pushback on this before, but it is not what Jesus says when he says, if you have a concern with someone, go to him. That's not going. Because that does not have, an email does not have a back to, back to and back conversation where I can understand what you're trying to say and I can contextualize it. And often it may be, I agree with you. You're right on this. It doesn't allow for better understanding. Church, be known for that. Be known for a church that want to live in harmony, but to do it biblically. Again, that does not mean we just pass over the tough stuff, but we authentically interact. I could say more, and you're glad I'm not. But if you follow the principles of some of these, and there is a handout of some of this, I believe you'll, you'll see in YouTube or through the MailChimp, that you can get some of the things I've talked about. If you follow some of these... And yes, was it silly to put it in a dog kennel, dog frame? Yes and no. Because why is it sometimes we, we are far willing, more willing to give over to our pet care than we often are willing to give over to our human care? But if you follow those principles, I believe that you will find that this church and this pastor and this ministry will be a place as Joanne and I leave, most grateful for what we've seen the Lord do. But you will see this church is a place that will be a place that will be transformed as people come into a living reality of Christ. That you will be a people that will grow in your faith, a living hope faith. And as you do, that you will be a people that thrive, that people will look on and say, that's the God, that's the truth. I've been searching for all my life. Let's pray. So, Lord, we just want to say thank you for the ministry that you've allowed Joanne and I to be part of during this time at this church, the uh, 32 months. 
Lord, I pray for the future of it. I pray that this will be a, a place that we'll look back and say, wow, the goodness, the floodgates of heaven were just being poured open, but just ready to be poured open that increasingly we see the greatness of God. Lord, let Christ be honored again and again through this church. And we pray that, pray for the ministry of Kim and Tom as they minister here. We pray that in the name of Christ. Amen.